This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge of Wharton. Welcome to Knowledge of Wharton. I'm Angie Bassiuni. If you're a content creator of any sort, whether you're a marketer, an advertiser, or an influencer, you're going to want to hear this next conversation about language and how to craft it to hold your audience's attention. I'm with Wharton marketing professor Jonah Berger, and his latest paper is titled, What Holds Attention? Linguistic Drivers of Engagement. Jonah, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me back. Let's talk about an overview first of this research. Uh, you make this point in the paper that it really isn't enough to capture people's attention, that you have to sustain it in order for them to hear the message that you're trying to hit. Um, so talk to us about about this paper and what it means. Yeah, so it's often said that we live in the attention economy. And, and what that means is we only have so much attention. We right. can't pay attention to seven different things at once. If we're paying attention to one thing. That means like we're not paying attention to something else. And so whether we're talking about the workplace, whether we're talking about acquiring customers, whether we're talking about our personal lives, getting and holding attention is key to success. And so the question then becomes, how do we win in this attention economy, right? And, and we're constantly trying to get and hold others' attention. Uh, you know, as a salesperson, you're trying to get people's attention and hold it through the pitch. As a leader, you want people to pay attention to your presentations and your emails. As a colleague, you want people to pay attention to your ideas. We post on social media, we write briefs and emails and other types of content, even in HR and compliance, right? They send out information wanting people to pay attention, wanting to hold folks' attention, but it doesn't always work. And so one question is, well, how can we get better at that? How can we write content that's more likely to hold attention? And how, in doing so, can we be more successful in the attention economy? Well, this paper talks about something that you call processing ease, which is simply the amount of cognitive work that it takes to read something. How does that relate to creating content that draws people's attention? Yeah. So stepping back for a second, we analyze tens of thousands of pieces of content from a variety of different websites and news providers, everything from newspapers to uh, more blog sites, everything from you know front page political news to sports to weather. Um, to personal uh, sorts of things, all types of content. And we analyzed how far down people consume that content. So if you think about it, right, you open up uh, an article online. Sometimes we read the whole thing. Sometimes we read half of it. Sometimes we read the title and we stop reading it and go on to doing something else. We all know the title is important for getting attention, right? If we think on social, for example, the image uh, and the headline is going to be what gets people to click into something. Um, you know, think about SEO and, and the right search words to get people to, to open something to pay attention to it initially. But if we want that content to impact people, if we want them to understand what we're communicating, if we want them to get our new strategy, if we want them to buy the product or service, it's hard to do that if they don't stay tuned for the rest of the pitch. And so what we're interested in is, well, what keeps people reading? Not just what leads them to open something, but what, what keeps them reading. And so analyzing these tens of thousands of pieces of content, controlling for what type of topic it focused on or how the headline was written, we're interested in ways of writing that, that holds people's attention. And as you mentioned, we found two key buckets uh, that had a big impact. The first was something called processing ease, and the second relates to emotion. And so the simplest way to think about processing ease is essentially how easy is it to consume this content? Now, and most of us probably don't think about this very often, but sometimes we're reading writing and it just, it feels like it flows. It goes together really well. It's really easy to read. It's sort of an effortless process. Other times we find ourselves reading something and sort of, it just feels difficult. Even if we're interested in the topic, we can't seem to slog through it just because it feels like a lot of work. 
What we don't realize is that's in the writing. That's not just a subjective feeling. The writing is creating that subjective feeling. So things, for example, like how familiar the words are, more familiar words make content easier to process. Take something really simple like the word car versus automobile. Right? Both of those are, are words that we know. They're not completely unfamiliar, right? But the word car is something we hear a lot more often than the word automobile. It's just a more familiar word. And, and that familiarity makes it easier to, to process. Similarly, concreteness, uh, linguistic concreteness also makes things easier to read. Imagine I said something is happening soon versus something is happening tomorrow. Tomorrow is a much more concrete, specific word. I know exactly when that thing is going to happen. Uh, concreteness often relates to whether we can form a mental image of something. Um, and so there are ways of writing to make things more concrete. And so these are just a couple of the features we identified uh, that shape processing ease. But, but the key insight here is subtle shifts in writing can make it easier to move through the content, which makes people more likely to continue moving through and read what we want to communicate. I 100% agree, especially in my former life as a news journalist. In fact, you, the words that you were talking about made me think of the things I learned as a journalist, which is never use the word utilized, use the word use, you know, yeah. things like that, car versus automobile. Um, it's it's most definitely key because you don't want people to get lost in the words. You want them to hear the message, read the message, correct? Yeah, and, and even something with simple syntax, right? So this is something we never think about. And so I don't want to get too far in the weeds here. But um, we looked at sort of aspects of the syntax that make it easier to keep consuming the content, right? right. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but sometimes you read something and the sentence structure, there's one type of structure in one sentence and a different type of structure in the next sentence. That makes it more difficult to move through the content. And so everything from the words we use, the structure we use, all of these things can shape how easy it is to consume the content and so how likely people are to keep reading. I used to have an editor that would go, come on, it ain't Shakespeare. So there yeah. you go. Uh, let's talk about something else that you bring up in your paper, which is emotional language. And I was actually kind of surprised to find that you say that when you use language that makes people feel uneasy or uncertain, it actually engages their attention a little bit more. So can you explain that, please? Sure. Yeah. So you might think it's it's good for people to feel certain, right? And, and what does that mean? Well, well certain means you kind of know what's going to going to happen, right? Um, uh, think about a score of a baseball game, right? When, when you get the score, you have a sense of certainty. You now know who's going to win. Um, if it's the score uh, at the end of the game. And, and certainty is great in some ways, right? Um, uh, in other projects, for example, we've shown benefits uh, of certainty in a variety of different ways. Certainty can often be persuasive, right? Um, the more certain we are in our language, the more it seems like we know what we're talking about, and so it, it can persuade others. But, but here's the challenge. Certainty doesn't hold attention, right? Imagine you're watching a basketball game, right? Would you be more likely to keep watching uh, if the outcome of the game you already knew or if you didn't already know the outcome of the game. And I think that's a pretty easy answer, right? You'd sit there going, well, hold on. If I, if I don't know the outcome of the game, I want to keep watching to find out who wins. And if I do know the outcome of the game, I might keep watching, but eventually I know who wins. I don't need to stay tuned to find out. And that's exactly the same with, with language more generally, right? When we use a lot of certainty in our language, people feel like the puzzle is solved. They don't need to keep reading. They don't need to keep paying attention. Whereas we use a little bit more uncertainty People are more like, wow, I don't, I don't actually know how this is going to resolve, right? It's a little bit more like a mystery, opening up an idea about a curiosity gap. And so people are more likely to keep consuming the content to figure out what, what happens. And so, uh, again, it depends on what our goals are, right? If we just want to get across a high-level idea, well, maybe we put it in the title of the first paragraph and, and that's it. But if we want people to keep consuming a number of ideas to get to the big punchline, we can't give away that big punchline right away. And so emotional language does that, not just certainty in general, but certain emotions are more certain than, than others. Uh, if you think about anger versus anxiety, for example, 
both are negative. Neither feels good, right? Both feeling angry and feeling anxious are negative feelings. But when we feel angry, we usually know what we're angry about. We're angry about a very specific thing. The airline canceled my flight. I'm pissed off at them. When we're anxious, it's a little bit more of a diffuse state. We're not always certain why we're anxious. We have a feeling of anxiety, but we feel uncertain in part because we don't know if something's going to happen. We're anxious about whether our flight is going to be canceled. And so that uncertainty leads us to pay attention to everything that's going on. What, what announcement did the airline make? What is this flight attendant doing? We're, we're more likely to pay attention or resolve that uncertainty. Same on the positive side, hope versus excitement, right? Um, usually if you're excited about something, you know what's going to happen. If you're hopeful, you want it to happen, but you're not sure. And so subtle differences in how we write content can uh, be more likely to make people feel a little bit more uncertain and lead them to be more likely to pay attention. That makes perfect sense. Let's talk about one more aspect of emotional language that you mentioned in the paper, and that is arousal. Mr. Berger, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so arousal is basically how fired up we are. So I, I think a good way to, to think about this is, you know, imagine you're for, in, going for a walk in the woods and, and you see a snake, a big snake sort of sliding right across your path. Whoa, you, you know, your body, your pulse quickens, your heart beats faster. You are ready to take an action. That's the idea of physiological arousal, right? We're fired up. We're ready to take an action. We're ready to to run, we're ready to take uh, an action to do something. And so some uh, emotions like anger, anxiety, or also excitement or, or humor, or high arousal, whether other emotions, things like contentment or sadness are, are low arousal. Um, and, and we find that more emotions associated arousal keep people consuming content. Similar to the idea of uncertainty, right? They're a little more vigilant. They're paying attention to figure out what what's going on. Um, and they're more likely to take action continuing to consume the content. These are just really, really great tips if you think about crafting your message, writing, um, any type of presentation to keep your audience engaged. There's there's a number of a number of contributions that this paper makes. So one of them that you mentioned very briefly, I really would love to talk to you about, which is the the critical role that language plays in the issues that we're facing now in society, which is disinformation, uh, hate speech, other types of social issues. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I think sometimes we see things that are shared online, um, we, we see content that's engaging, and we think it's sort of random luck or, or chance, right? Uh, oh, you know, I wish people wouldn't share misinformation or, or hate speech or things along those lines. But, but the way that content is designed, it's not just about people, right? It's about the way the content itself is designed. Certain content is written in a way that's more engaging. Certain content is written in a way that's more likely to be shared. Certain content is written in a way that makes us believe it even when it's not true. And so there's really a behavioral science behind uh, these things. And the more we understand about why people share, what makes content more likely to hold attention, uh, the more like we understand these factors, the more we can design content uh, and systems to, to decrease the chance that these things occur. Great point. Last big question, what is the takeaway? What is the thing that marketers, advertisers, TikTok influencers need to know from this paper? You know, I think there's a really simple but very important takeaway here, which is most of us uh, as communicators think that the effectiveness of our communication is all about the topic, the focus, the main theme or idea, right? You might be sitting there going, well, what holds attention? You know, celebrity gossip um, and sports scores hold attention, but environmental news and, um, you know, tax policy and climate change, these are just topics that no one's going to pay attention to. And so if I'm writing about one of these things, I'm kind of out of luck. There's nothing I, I can do. Um, but the idea here is that good writing right, is not about the topic. It's not that, that engaging content is all about the topic. Style, how we write, can compensate for it. In our research, for example, we show even controlling for the topic of the articles, how they're written, 
right, shapes whether or not they, they hold attention. So sure, certain things do naturally uh, more likely to hold attention. Sports, technology, um, personal sorts of things are generally more likely to hold attention than world news. That said, if they're written the right way, you can make anything more likely to hold attention. And the impact of, of writing style and how you write is just as big, if not bigger than, than the topic. And so writing in the right way can increase sustained attention, even for less engaging topics. You got to put some cheese on the broccoli to get it down. <laughs> Completely agree. Jonah, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. And before I let you go, I do want to mention, uh, because you are the master of words, uh, if you uh, wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about your latest book, Magic Words. Oh, yeah, sure. So, um, uh, you know, I don't have to tell you, as we've talked about today, that, that language is a part of almost everything we do, right? It's how leaders make presentations. It's how colleagues send emails. It's how salespeople pitch ideas. Um, it's how marketers craft ads and content. It's how we talk to our spouses and our, our children. But while we spend a lot of time thinking about the ideas we want to communicate, we spend a lot less time thinking about the words we can use. And just like we talked about today, those words have a big impact. And so um, in Magic Words, I talk about different ways we can use language to increase our impact, whether it's holding attention, persuading others, deepening social connection, or being more effective salespeople. Great. It's called Magic Words, What to Say to Get Your Way. Love that title. You can download it anywhere books are sold. Thank you for joining me. If you enjoyed this conversation, you can find more just like it on our website, where you can also find all our articles on the latest research in business. For Knowledge at Wharton, I'm Angie Bastini. Thanks for joining us. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.